Wait, 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 wait. Don't skip ahead just yet. I know you were about to. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, then you'll love mine too. If you like podcasts that break down all of your favorite water cooler reality TV shows like The Real Housewives or big budget movies like Wakanda Forever, then this is the podcast for you. Subscribe to my podcast, Reality and Comics 2, and listen to episodes like my interview with Robin Dixon of The Real Housewives of Potomac or my interviews with your favorite bombshells from Love Island, USA. That's Reality and Comics 2. And I'm Kendrick. See you there. You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. But we are joined with the cutest one. We have Jamie from Millennial Misery with us. Hi. Hi, guys. So excited to be here. So excited you're here. I am very excited you're here because we are covering Scooby-Doo today, and I don't want to give away spoilers, but I finally have a comrade in arms when it comes to talking shit about one of Donnie's favorite movies. (laughs) You can give spoilers. The first thing Jamie said as soon as she signed in, not hello, not she was excited. She said, this movie is terrible. I was like, oh God, (laughs) Chelsea's not alone for once. I think I was probably slightly bitter because I listened to the Romeo and Michelle pod and I was like, why did I not get Romeo and Michelle? I dressed up as Romy uh, for a Halloween once. So uh, I yeah. love that. And Chelsea, you liked it. So I know. And I mean, that's like a blue moon. That's a moment in time there. <laughs> I do have to say, though, on the spectrum of center stage Romeo and Michelle, we're in the middle. Mm. I'm not hating it as much as center stage. So I'm hoping that I can, you know, sleep with both eyes closed and not one eye open because, my God, for a while there, I was like, the cuties might kill me. The cuties might kill me. Death by cuties. So before we jump into this episode, I do want to say once again, we have merch, people. Basically, our merch continues to be just as unhinged as we are. We now have Romeo and Michelle merch, including a businesswoman special. (laughs) So go to IamTheCuteOne.com to shop our looks. And like Donnie said last week, like our personalities, the layout of the website is... (laughs) chaotic as hell so just sort by whatever type of merch you're looking for for a cleaner experience also if you have any demands for merch that we don't currently have just email us i am the cute one podcast at gmail.com or slide into our dms because we're pretty much open to everything if you go to that website you can tell we're not going to say no to an idea all right so scooby-doo came out on june 14th 2002 it was You guessed it, a Friday. (laughs) I had just turned 13 years old two days earlier, which is the most Mm. important fact about this time (laughs) period. And the top hits of the times were Foolish by Ashanti, I Mm. Need a Girl Part One by P. Diddy, Hot in Her by Nelly, and Without Me by Eminem. Wow. I know where I was during this time. Like you saying those songs, I can envision 10th grade Donnie. I can too, and it's frightening. <laughs> but the top movie of the box office during this week was actually Scooby-Doo, grossing over $54 million opening wow. weekend. And I didn't realize so many people were like, 
that into Scooby-Doo. Right? Oh, I was for sure. What cartoons did you watch? Like the Flintstones? I mean, I like <laughs> dabbled in Scooby-Doo, but I wouldn't say I was like a do-head. I wasn't doing the do Oh, I was for sure a do-head. In fact, I would like openly tell people, my parents, church members, whatever, I was like, I think my house is bugged. Because for a long time, I said they should make a live action Scooby-Doo and cast Sarah Michelle Gellar as Daphne. So then when it happened, I was like, oh my God, they're stealing my ideas. (laughs) Which like, it sounds amazing when you say it like this. But then when I think back to you as a child, every movie that you were making up in your mind, you were casting Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, well, that's true. But somebody agreed with me once. <laughs> the stars alive. Like, and Mandy Moore should do the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, that was the only thing missing. She should have sang Scooby-Doo theme song instead of Shaggy. Amen. Shaggy the singer, not Shaggy the character. <laughs> Jamie, were you a do-head? No, unfortunately. <laughs> what cartoons did you watch? I was probably, remember, I'm older. Uh-huh. I was probably more of like a Doug Rugrats. Mm-hmm kind of kid well jamie no offense to you but scooby-doo did come out in the 70s so you being older that's okay that is true (laughs) donnie's trying to rationalize he's like tell me you were a do-head tell me you like scooby-doo i'll type it in the chat just read this word for word i didn't dislike it it just wasn't my favorite all right. Jamie, I was more your vibe. I loved Rugrats. I loved Hey Arnold also. Yes. Like when you said the Flintstones, Donnie, yeah. that wouldn't have ever been on my radar. Wow. See, I think that I was a kid whose parents made them watch like whatever they liked. Okay. So I liked all these things from the 60s and 70s in addition to everything you're saying. Like I loved Nickelodeon cartoons, but I also had to watch like Flintstones, the Jetsons. All those, like, Hanna-Barbera stuff. Okay, so my version of that is, like, I would watch South Park with my dad. <laughs> oh, um, South we Park. We still, to this day, over Christmas, like, one of my family's Christmas traditions is we watch the South Park Christmas show with, like, Mr. <laughs> Hanky, the Christmas poo. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a nice, wholesome family activity. Oh, see, my dad is, like, the mom from Carrie, almost. And, like, he he instilled, like, judgment in me against people. So for a long time, I wouldn't smoke weed because I was, like, judging people that did. I have stories later in this episode that tell you I have long since changed my tune. But, like, for a long time, I was like, oh, my God, they smoke weed? What trash? And I used to feel that way about people who watched South Park. Wow. So you just would have hated me. I made my dad take me to the theater for the South Park movie, and it was highly inappropriate. Yes. It had a giant clitoris in it. Oh, my God. Wait, so you went with your dad? (laughs) Yeah, because I wasn't old enough because it was rated R. Wow. Incredible. Love you, Dad. Yeah, shout out to you. Wait, I never saw that movie. What does the giant clitoris do? Sing? Um, (laughs) To be completely honest, I don't remember. I feel like it takes okay. over a town. Yeah. But maybe that's oh, wow. just in my mind. Donnie likes to cast movies with Sarah Michelle Geller. I like to imagine a giant clit taking over the universe. So <laughs> thanks to South Park, it happened. Shout out to you, <laughs> South Park. Okay, so let's take this conversation over to the community at thedip.com. It's a great way to join the conversation, connect with your favorite content creators, and express yourself. So head over to thedip.com, that's dip with two Ps, to join in and use code SPRING for 95% off. Let us know if you 
were doing the do, if you were more of a South Park head, if you too were rooting for the clit taking over the world, <laughs> let's jump into Scooby-Doo. So Donnie, do you have any background or trivia for us? I sure do. So we were really set up with an award-winning team here at the helm of this movie. We have Raja Gosnell, who directed Big Mama's House, The Smurfs 1 and 2, and Never Been Kissed, which I know is one of Chelsea's favorites. One of my favorites. <laughs> for sure. I think that maybe that person needs to be investigated. But so wait, the Smurf reference later is like about that work. That's kind of fucked up. You're right. I didn't even realize. So that was our director. And I said sarcastically that this is an award-winning combo, but really only the director sucks. The writer is James Gunn, who also wrote 13 Ghosts, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, and one of Chelsea's favorites, actually for real this time, Peacemaker on HBO. And I love Guardians of the Galaxy too. Wait, the sequel or like also? (laughs) T-O-O, yes, as well. Okay, I thought you were like, I only like the Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> The sequel. first one, <laughs> shitty, terrible, hated it. Although we do know me with Sister Act, so it could have been possible. Oh. Well, that's true. I do love Sister Act, but I will agree with you that Sister Act 2 is better. First of all, it has Jennifer Love Hewitt in it. If you can't get Sarah Michelle Gellar, <laughs> plop in the brunette. So, <laughs> our budget for this movie was $84 million, and it made $276 million worldwide. Now, I will say, you said you were shocked that so many people were Scooby-Doo heads. There were Scooby-Doo heads in the audience, such as myself, but this was the only movie to show a trailer for Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So, there were people in bulk that would buy tickets to see the trailer and then leave once trailers were over but they had already paid for a ticket so it like went towards box oh, office so yeah. my people uh-huh <laughs> yeah chelsea's one of them <laughs> the doheads and the potter head <laughs> so originally this movie was going to be pg-13 and feature shaggy as a stoner velma and daphne as a dl lesbian couple but the josie and the pussycats movie flopped so the studio decided to make this movie family friendly instead however this is kind of I didn't even know it's legal. The cast had already signed on for like the rated R raunchy parody version. So most of the cast and the director have since expressed their hatred for this movie because it's basically a movie they didn't know they were forced to make. So in an interview, Sarah Michelle Gellar was asked which of her movies she would forbid her children from ever watching. And her choices were Scream 2, I Know What You Did Last Summer, or Cruel Intentions. And she chose Scooby-Doo. I kind of love that. I feel like I could tell that they weren't leaning in. Like, I think if they had just committed to the part, I do think that I would have enjoyed it more. And to be clear, I didn't hate it, but it felt like it was like half-assed. It felt like it was trying to like toe this line of, you know, a wink and a nod there, but they weren't fully committing. And I think had they just done it, I would have liked it way more. Now, do you feel that way about Shrek? But Shrek is a kid's movie. So was this, PG. I will say my kids did enjoy this movie last night. Okay, good. See, Jamie's raising those kids right. (laughs) So maybe if I rewatch this movie with my kids, I would feel the same way. I think because I was watching it as a full grown adult for the Mm. very first time, which spoiler alert, it was my very first time watching this movie. (laughs) Same. Like Uh as an adult by myself watching it, I felt like, okay, but maybe just commit exactly. like maybe okay. instead of having them like toasting the eggplant burger we just have them smoking weed you're we okay. know what you're alluding to 
I understand what you're saying. I just don't agree. So, <laughs> so a little casting. Like tea. moving the fuck on. <laughs> and I can say fuck because this is not a children's podcast. <laughs> I don't have to allude to anything. So Alyssa Milano, who we love on this podcast, Carla Gugino, and Christina Ricci were all considered for Velma, which I will say. Linda Cardellini's fine, but out of the four leads, she is the one who I like least. I loved her the most. Oh, please. I mean, I actually know. That's not true. I liked Sarah Michelle Geller the most because she made me laugh the most. And Matthew Lillard. He was great. You know what? By the end of this podcast, I'm going to be like, do I love this movie? <laughs> Here's the thing. I do think you're right in the fact that the script could have been better, but casting was on point. I think they all played the role so well. Absolutely. As for Daphne, Ella Fisher, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and Jennifer Aniston were considered, but the studio wanted a real-life couple to play Daphne and Fred, so they cast Sarah Michelle Gellar and made her bring Freddie Prince Jr. along. So that's why they gave Ella Fisher the role of Mary Jane, because they were like, we really did like you, but she has a boyfriend and you don't. He wasn't married to Borat yet. <laughs> yeah, he would have been a good friend. Could you imagine? <laughs> My wife. Yeah. So speaking of, is it Ela or Isla? Well, who cares on this podcast? Isla Fisher? Ela <laughs> Fisher? We could call her Isla for all we care. Okay. We don't really care about facts. Speaking here. of Isla Fisher, <laughs> I have a bit of my own trivia. You know that you love when I come to play. So oh, her very first job in Hollywood was a lottery ad extra and she was so excited during the filming that she hyperventilated and nearly fainted. <laughs> Oh, the more you know. I love when Chelsea brings <laughs> well, behind the scenes scoop. The thing is that you know that I have watched it on Amazon Prime when I bring this because mm. this was like provided by Amazon Prime. Like, what a weird ass <laughs> trivia fact! And then, like, kind of rude to Isla, 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 yeah. that they're just like airing her dirty laundry. That had nothing to do with plot. That did not have to be shared <laughs> with the world. But here we are. That's true. Um. That reminds me, though, This Is Us is in its final season, and Mandy Moore, who we also love on this podcast, she said the second to last episode, she just read the script, and she said it's so sad it made her throw up. (laughs) So I can't wait for that episode. (laughs) At some point, though, the This Is Us fandom, including you, Donnie, and including me, it's kind of sketchy how much we love to cry. Love to cry. My husband asked me, like, not even during an episode. He was just like, why do you love to cry so much? And I was like, I love an emotional release. And talking about why I love to cry made me cry. Well, (laughs) yeah. You know I'm a little bit repressed in some of my emotions. And so I will say I take it a step further in the crazy department because I (laughs) fell off of This Is Us. I think after, like, season two or three, I have not watched it. However, I will still go and read the Vulture recaps and cry. So I know what's oh going God. on, and I just cry reading the idea of watching. <laughs> You're essentially torturing yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's not okay, but anywho, I guess I was inspired by um, Isla's trauma that I just had to share a bit of my own. <laughs> so before we make Jamie break down this movie in one minute, I do want to ask what character, if any, in this movie do you identify as? I honestly, the only character I think I would identify as is Gramondu when Scooby had to dress up <laughs> as the grandmother to get on the plane to Spooky Island. Like, that's about, because, like, I am messy and I'm a mess. 
And I'm sort of like a dog, so. I love that. Don't get Jamie near a cat on a plane. Nope. I, I will bark. <laughs> I think I'm a mix between Daphne and Scrappy-Doo. Is that who you said? No, I said I'm Velma and Scrappy-Doo. Wow. Look yeah. at us, our little DL lesbian couple. <laughs> All right, so the time has come, Jamie. So we're going to put one minute on the clock, and I'm going to ask you to recap this movie in one minute or less. Go. Scooby-Doo the movie is a live-action adventure comedy based on the popular cartoon from the 70s. So the mystery and gang got in a big old fight. Somehow they are brought together by Mr. Bean. (laughs) And they come together on Spooky Island where a bunch of spring breakers go. These spring breakers are possessed in like bro-ish Abercrombie behavior. (laughs) So the gang ultimately splits up but come together to find out it was Mr. Bean, but it wasn't Mr. Bean. It was Scrappy Doo. <laughs> and Scooby Doo almost gets sacrificed, and it's a whole thing, and it's pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, two things. Number one, I'm so glad you called him Mr. Bean because not one time in my notes did I refer to this man by whatever his character name was. <laughs> Literally only Mr. Bean. And number two, I gasped last week with Romy and Michelle. I felt like I was watching an M. Night Shyamalan film. (laughs) This week, with the big reveal of Scrappy-Doo, I literally, I was like, what is happening? Every single movie is a psychological thriller at this point. I couldn't believe it. I I was not prepared for Scrappy-Doo. Though, I believe there there was foreshadowing. However, Mm -hmm. one of those monster things actually resembled Scrappy-Doo. And I I said to my kid that was watching it, I was like, I think that's Scrappy-Doo. He's like, no, it's not. Look at you. You know. Then at the end of the movie, you got to say, suck it, child. Mommy's right. (laughs) I know more than you. So we open at the Wow-O Toy Factory where the gang is cracking the case of the Luna Ghost. It is chaos. Daphne is captured. Fred loses control of his hose. And Shaggy and Scooby are just like overall morons. Clearly, Velma is the only one in this group with a brain or a plan. And thanks to her plan, the gang saves the factory, uncovering that the bad guy wasn't a ghost, but rather old man Smithers, the creepy janitor. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. This was such an homage to like the original cartoons. For those of you who do D-O-O watch. Um, and even the fact that Pamela Anderson was there, because in all of those old Scooby-Doo cartoons, they would always have like the Harlem Globetrotters or Abbott and Costello. So bringing out like the C-list celebrity, just brilliant. This, this, chef's kiss. Love that for you. It was a pretty entertaining opening. It was. I really am. By the end of this podcast, I'm going to be like, my favorite movie. (laughs) Loved it. Loved every moment. Lucky for you, there's a sequel. Starring Alicia Silverstone. Wait, what? Yeah, Monsters Unleashed. Is it the same cast? Oh, yeah. So even though Sarah Michelle Gellar hated it so much that she bans it from her child's (laughs) brain and viewing experience, she did do a sequel. She was going (sighs) to grab that purse. I think, I can only assume, because everyone in the cast has talked shit about it. I can only assume it was in the contract. Like, if this makes whatever, you will be back. Okay. The purse with the Scooby Snacks. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we will talk about the Scooby Snacks because I think there is an addiction happening that everybody is sweeping under the rug, but we will get there. So while Shaggy thinks that the group is one big banana split, Fred and his mushroom hair take credit for solving the mystery, which leads Velma to quit, followed by everybody else going their separate ways. Mystery Inc. has broken up. Mm. Sad day. Mm -hmm. Didn't see it coming. (laughs) So two years later, Shaggy and Scooby are high off of life, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and making absolutely disgusting culinary cuisine. But wait, I can't judge. I can't judge them because when I get high, I don't have a craving for like anything in particular, but I will eat anything in sight, anything. My husband and I gained so much weight during quarantine and we were like, why, why, why? Because once we stopped ordering food every night, we like went back and looked at what we ordered and not once, like not a Burger King large meal for one person was not enough. We would do like a combo and a dessert and a side of like 20 nuggets. Like, and then we wondered why we gained 80 pounds during quarantine, but that's because we smoked every day and then ordered $80 worth of food every single night. Well, <laughs> it was a collective trauma, Donnie. You, you did what you got to do right. to survive. You know, my favorite thing to do on this podcast is air the dirty laundry of those who listen. So shout out to you, mom. This one is your story. My mom, like for being such a tiny woman, my mom eats like a competitive eater. Like I think if she entered that 4th of July hot dog eating contest, she could win. But she used to do this thing when she was really stressed out at work. She would offer to like go pick up McDonald's for her office. And so she would like collect the money. She would go and then she would order herself a meal. And then she would go also to Taco Bell. (laughs) She would eat her meal at Taco Bell, throw away the evidence and then go back and eat McDonald's with her coworkers. Incredible. Yeah. Just a Tuesday. (laughs) I was raised in a duplex. So my grandma lived on the first floor and my whole family lived on the second. And I would get home from school before my parents got home from work. And I would eat dinner with my grandparents because old people eat early. So I would eat dinner with my grandparents at like four. And then when my family ate at six, I would eat dinner again with them. Every the dream. You live the dream. You were like living the life that my dog does when she tricks both me and my husband into giving her dinner. Like she gives me like the puppy dog eyes. He'll come in and he's like, why is she eating again? I just fed her. I'm like, she looked starving. You tricked me. Yeah, that was me. So while Shaggy and Scooby are eating their disgusting meal, Fred has gotten a haircut and written a book called Fred on Fred, The Many Faces of Me. Velma is employed by NASA and on a journey of self-discovery, and Daphne has transformed her body into a dangerous weapon. (laughs) So after an awkward encounter at the airport, they discover that they have been basically parent trapped and are all on their way to Spooky Island to solve a new mystery. And then while in the air, Shaggy gets sneezed on and falls in love with a girl who likes to eat dog food. (laughs) Cool. That's kind of gross. But Shaggy likes them too. So that's, that's true. true. Yeah. But at least he has a dog. True. Like, how did she get her habit? This is a bitch that's allergic. She's allergic to dogs, but yet she eats dog food. That is so true. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. Okay. But I can't be one to cast stones because I myself live in a glass house. Now, I have not had a dog treat in quite some time, but as a child, <laughs> we're talking like two years old. I was told that I would eat dog food. I would go and I would sneak it out of the bowl and I would hide behind the curtains. And my parents would be like, Chelsea, are you eating dog food? And I would have like 
cheeks full, like a little chipmunk. And I'd be like, mm-mm, mm-mm. And I remember it being very good. I'm disgusted either way. But was it, was it like kibble or was it wet? Food? No, it was dry. Okay. <laughs> it's like the little peanuts they give you at the bar just to, you know, oh, snack on. Except for kids. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Jamie, you were disgusted that it was dry? You would have been better if you were no, eating I was wet dog food? you said uh, wet. Okay. I was like, I'm going to vomit. Like, <laughs> My mom would open that can opener and I'd come running. <laughs> Give me that wet good good. <laughs> oh, God. Now, this is not really the same thing at all. But since we're talking about dogs, I used to lie to everyone for attention when I was a little kid. I'm so My parents- shocked. <laughs> My parents like still act like I do and it makes me mad. I was like, no, I left that in high school for God's sake. I've been out of lying to people for no reason for at least 20 years. But they, like my family calls it Donnie land anytime I tell a story wrong. And when I was little, <laughs> this is dark, but when I was little, my dad beat me once because he told me like I would lie so much that he was like, don't worry, Donnie, I won't beat you. And then he beat me and he was like, see, lying's not nice. So like lying was a big part of my childhood but in elementary school I lied to my best friend and told her that my sister played a game called dog with me where she pretended she was a dog and I was the owner and then the next day she woke me up by licking my face because she thought we were still playing that was all a lie not once did I play dog with my sister not once did I licked awake this was all a lie and I think I've since told my friend the truth but if not she does listen every week so that was a lie <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a lot to unpack in that story i know that's why i told it quickly like a monologue so that you couldn't stop at each point mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know where to go from here so i'm just gonna move on um <laughs> let's talk about my face blindness i guess because speaking of this poor woman isla fisher isla fisher Cuties, let us know. You know it's not going to matter, but, you know, if you want to correct us, slide into our DMs. (laughs) It's honestly like my face blindness, it's getting unfair at this point because I Mm. already cannot tell Amy Adams and Isla Fisher apart. Mm. Like, to me, they are one and the same. But now you would think that by them, like, slapping a blonde wig on one of them that it would differentiate. But she was, like, totally unrecognizable to me without her red hair. I agree. I had to look it up. I was like, wait a minute. She looks so familiar. I'm like on my phone trying to figure out who it is. This must have been one of her first movies, I think. So it's also like she's so young that we barely recognize her Mm. in that aspect. And then we changed her hair color. Yeah, that's very true. So Mm. I'm just still spiraling about playing dog and (laughs) Donnie land. But I'm just going to keep it moving. It's like um, Stormy World or whatever Kylie Jenner does for her daughter, except it's Donnie Land. Oh, now we know next year's Donnie Appreciation Month. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I've done it to myself. God. I'm going to get one of those heads that you walk into like this. (laughs) 
So the gang arrives and meets the owner of Spooky Island, played by Mr. Bean. And again, I gasped. I didn't know that so many famous people were in this movie. So he <laughs> believes that someone is casting a spell on the students who are here for spring break. They are arriving to the island as normal college kids and leaving as sober, superhuman robot people. This is not about the mystery itself, but I have to ask about Spooky Island. Is this really a spring break destination? Because I can't wrap my head around it. Some points they look like they're like partying and getting like Cancun drunk. And then other times it looks like Disney World. So that I think that's what throws me off. Like, are these like Disney freaks? I'm one, so I'm allowed to say it. Or is this like a legit spring break place? Well, and then you have amusement park rides that are literally designed to murder you. Literally. (laughs) Like, that wasn't like a haunted house that they find themselves in later. It's like there are sausages strangling you. Yeah. And the swords. I was like, oh, whatever. If it hits you, it's just like made of plastic. But it. I don't think it was. I don't think it was either. I don't know. Maybe it's like those haunted houses where you have to sign the release beforehand. Like people do those for fun. You know, they're like, I give you permission to chase me with a chainsaw. And if I pee my pants, that's on me. That's true. And there were no kids there. So maybe it was. Yeah. Like it was all teenagers. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So they arrive. The gang goes their separate ways to try to be the first one to solve the mystery. Velma goes to a Burning Man wrestling match. Shaggy wins. (laughs) Mary Jane, a dismembered head from a claw machine. Daphne interrupts a sort of like racist depiction of a voodoo ceremony. And Scooby gets lured into a dark and freaky forest with the promise of a bag of burgers. And it's here that he is met by some sort of goblin creature that we come to know. And I have a question. I know it was 2002, but was this CGI like supposed to be bad or was this just like the best they could do in the early aughts i know right it was awful i think it was a mixture of both i think like you said it was a star-studded cast so i think the 84 million price point like a lot of that is just going towards paying the leads and Mr. Bean and Ela Fisher and stuff. That's so not I think a fair argument. Get... That's not a fair Why? argument. Why? Because you are having a movie called Scooby-Doo, which is a dog that is going to be CGI. Well, do you think Scooby-Doo was poorly CGI'd? Yes. No, Scooby-Doo looks great. <laughs> okay. There you go. Donnie World again. <laughs> Scooby-Doo didn't necessarily look like a dog. What do you want a dog to look like? It was a A dog. Not a (laughs) doggy. Oh, my God. I'm offended. I mean, okay. Scooby-Doo did look better than the purple gremlin monsters. I'll give you The only time I thought the CGI looked bad was when the monster got flung from the tree and landed on the roller coaster. Like, that whole thing looked like a... MS DOS computer game, but the <laughs> the rest, I don't think it looked too bad. Scrappy Doo, not bad. Okay, <laughs> Scrappy Doo looked like a dog. Okay, <laughs> that's a start. <laughs> well, I do have to tell you, they made budget cuts for the sequel, so buckle up. <laughs> okay, not buckle up. I haven't agreed to anything. I like playfully suggested Mystery Men last episode for us to cover, and you said you were going to hit me with a cease and desist. So I don't know why all of a sudden we're like definitely going to be covering Scooby Doo 2. 
No, I didn't say we're covering it, but you will be watching it in your lifetime. <laughs> I'm going to send the DVDs to your kids. Oh, God. God that was a threat. <laughs> yeah, I'm being threatened. I really am. So everyone's clues lead them to a super scary castle, and even Shaggy and Scooby, loaded on Scooby Snacks, agree to look for clues inside. Okay, I alluded to this earlier, but there is an addiction here that all of their so-called friends, they aren't just enabling, but they're actually using it for their own personal gain. It is sick. Like we have a man openly admitting to drinking out of the toilet and the gang is like, here's some Scooby snacks, do what I want now. Like these two are clearly unwell and should definitely not be engaging in any high risk detective work in their altered state. I'm concerned. Truly, they're enabling him. I mean, Daphne carries a purse full of Scooby snacks. She's like, the first one's on me, kid. Here's a Scooby snack. But this is a business they're running. And if he agreed to be a part of this mystery solving thing, if you can't do it, then you need to get out. But you're not splitting this check four ways then, buddy. So either eat this dog food and solve the mystery or go home. Okay, that's one way of looking at it. We got a real capitalist on our hands here. <laughs> Unions who? Workers' rights what? <laughs> like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTE1, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. 
So this doesn't really have to do with anything, but given the obvious weed references in this movie, I figured now might be a good time to share one of the weirder stories from my life. Have I ever told you about the time I almost accidentally started a gang fight in Mexico? (laughs) Have I ever told you? No, you haven't. (laughs) So... (laughs) When Dr. Bald and I were young and, you know, a little crazier than we are today, living in suburbia, USA with kids, we went to Mexico and we stayed at this, like, it was kind of like half commune, half hostel situation. And usually it was run by this woman who like, that was her business and it would have been different vibes had she been there, but she was away on holiday. So she had her son come in from Southern California to run the place for her while we were there. So it essentially turned into like kind of a frat party because there was this like 21 year old kid that was like our age running this place that he had like grown up with. So he knew all the locals and it was just basically just like a house party for a week. It was so much fun. But one of the nights we had one of his friends come over and I think it must be stated that I don't speak any Spanish. Dr. Bald doesn't speak any Spanish. The locals obviously didn't speak any English. So there was a lot of like Hmm. talking with our hands and pointing at things. And like we may do in our conversations. Oh, by the way, Dr. Bald is my husband, not a medical doctor, just a man that went bald at 22. Ironically, like one year after this (laughs) vacation, maybe this is what did him in. But so he's over here looking at this like YouTube channel with this random guy that he's like, um, we'll say he's eating Scooby snacks with. And he's watching this guy's YouTube channel that was basically like a bunch of rap videos he had made with his friends that was just him holding a bunch of machine guns and like rapping over like super fruity, shitty tracks. And I start like picking up on this guy talking to the son who's in charge of the place. And like, I can tell like things are tense. And I realized that he was under the impression that he would be making a sale Mm. and that Dr. Bald had just smoked all of his Scooby snacks without paying him. So they start like getting into this like heated argument. So my solution was that I just proceeded to get him and his girlfriend absolutely drunk on rum. Thank you, rum, because the night ended with them cooking us dinner. We didn't pay. We all had a great time. And then as he left, he was super pissed. Like, I think he remembered that he hadn't been paid. And he tagged the front of the house with the symbol to like round up the troops. And then later, though, the next day he did come back and he felt so bad about it that he like washed it off. And he basically told the person that was running the place that he had like a lovely time with us. So that's my story. (laughs) Wow. Now, we did learn a lot from that experience. For example, I learned that it's delicious to put hot sauce in shitty light beers. So that's what I came away from that experience. What in the hell? (laughs) (laughs) That's what she learned. (laughs) I feel like this monologue... There's more takeaway from that than the one I told at the beginning of the Well, episode. I learned from yes. you and your style earlier where I just monologued so that you couldn't <laughs> yeah. cut me off. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I wow. think the, the moral of that story and what we can take away <laughs> is that my charm transcends language. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Anywho, back to Scooby-Doo. <laughs> 
<laughs> so after a near-death experience, Velma and Fred discover a video that teaches social skills and explains how young people today speak. So for example, a person might say, no big whoop dog, catch that new vid on the box, true that. I'm up to sniz snuff on all popular trends, word. And <laughs> Velma deduces that this is a brainwashing center and wherever there's a brainwashing cult, there is a power-hungry leader, the Papa Smurf figure. Now, this movie is brilliant, so I won't talk too much shit on it, but it is odd that this is the same plot almost as Josie and the Pussycats in terms of brainwashing teenagers just to be cool. So how many adaptations of classic cartoons do we need that are about this plot? When they do the live action Jetsons, it's going to be that all over again. <laughs> Except it'll be Elon Musk making people do it in space. Oh, don't put that in the universe. <laughs> don't give him any more ideas. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. This is neither here nor there, but the burp fart off scene between Shaggy and Scooby disgusted me deeply. It was so unnecessary. I must repeat, this was a movie for children. So I think like kids like farts, right? Yes. My four-year-old <laughs> was cracking up. Okay, so point. see... The target audience was three. Okay. All right. <laughs> and so with the bunch of clues and three potential suspects, including Mr. Bean himself, Mystery Inc. is back together, ready to solve the case. Okay. This is where I did lose a bit of respect for Velma because she chooses the center of a very busy lobby to study the inscriptions of the artifact Daphne found, talking loudly to a literal stranger about her theory that this is instructions to some sort of secret ritual. So at this point, I would like to take back my earlier statement <laughs> that she is the only one in this group with brains because this is a bad look for our gal, Vel. Yeah. Dumb bitch move. <laughs> Seriously. I still think Velma is the most capable. I think she was just thinking with her vajinkies and not her yes. brain. Dude. Like uh, <laughs> Overall, she is the one to turn to if you need a mystery solved. But this is a girl that doesn't have much confidence. Like they are on a tropical resort and she's wearing a maternity sweater. Like this is a woman who doesn't have much confidence and self-esteem. So I think that like any semi good looking boy is going to maybe not get her brain in the right place. So I would trust her to solve my mystery. I would just buy her a vibrator first so she could like keep yes. her head in the game. Yes. I was so surprised that this guy wasn't a bad guy. Because he had, yeah. like, absolutely no character development. No, and he was wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt. That screams mm -hmm. don't trust him. Rock and roll, the devil's music. <laughs> so as if her sloppy sleuthing wasn't bad enough, Velma gets absolutely schnockered, which leads to her reminiscing about the old days where it does make sense mm. this was supposed to be rated PG-13 or R, because this is a scene where there was like definite sexual tension and it definitely seemed like she low-key, high-key wanted to have a threesome with Daphne and Fred. <laughs> and she says that things were perfect except for the presence of an egomaniac and tiny tyrant, Scrappy-Doo, who got kicked out of the group after literally pissing all over everything. So this is when she also shares that Scrappy isn't even a puppy. He just has a gland disorder, which unlocked a core memory that I had not thought about at all. Do you guys remember Andy Milanakis? Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> he was basically like 
catfishing us as a teenager, and it turned out he was born in 1979. Mm. Is he alive still? He is. He, if you've been wondering what he's up to today, I'll let you Google. There's been a lot of controversy and problematic shit that we won't go into, but Wikipedia does also tell me that he is the author of the sixth most liked tweet of all time. He said, congratulations to the astronauts that left Earth today. Good choice. Referring to the Crew Dragon Demon 2 launch that took place in May of 2020. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> he still looks like a child at age 46. Yeah. Well, he has a gland disorder, just like Scrappy. Just like Scrappy. <laughs> so the creatures capture Fred, Velma, Mr. Bean, and eventually Daphne, leaving Scooby, Shaggy, and a secretly evil Mary Jane to save the day and solve the mystery. And so after fleeing arguably the most frightening attraction on Spooky Island, <laughs> a Sugar Ray concert, Shaggy learns the truth of the island. People's bodies are being taken over by the goblin monsters who, as it turns out, are allergic to the sun. And if they weren't, already cramming enough plot down our throats we then just get like some casual soul switching for no reason where the gang trades bodies again and again and again like musical chairs love that i will say the little heads in the bowl the cgi was a little tough there i will agree with you but the soul switching was top tier comedy work i actually did not mind the cgi with the heads really and and the body switching i actually enjoyed that part i was like (laughs) It's not bad. They're like dipping their hand in. Not bad. Except that the faces looked nothing like no. the people. I was like, who's that? Oh, that's Daphne. <laughs> yeah, they look like Pez dispensers. <laughs> yeah, they did. So thanks to some intel from the voodoo priest, the gang learns that the dark apocalypse ritual is almost mm. upon them. The leader of the monsters needs to consume a truly good and pure soul in order to rule the world for 10,000 years. And that pure soul? Scooby-Doo. So the gang bands together to save Scooby. It's time to get jinky with it. Is that a line from the movie? Or did you make that up? No, Velma says it. Okay. Okay, good. I was going to say, Chelsea, that's really good. But no, we can thank the writer for that. Raja. (laughs) So the ceremony begins. I'm not going to lie. The ritual song was kind of a bop. This whole soundtrack is good. Shaggy, the Baja Man. Maybe not Sugar Ray, but the rat. Plus his heart. So (laughs) Mr. Bean is wearing a giant collar to indicate that, yes, he is the bad guy. But in a shocking twist, he is actually a robot being operated by, dun, 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 a roided out Scrappy-Doo. And so the glittery disco ball zaps all the monsters with the sun and Scrappy returns to his true tiny form. Fred and Daphne smooch. The real Mr. Bean looks like Tom Hanks in Castaway. And the Belmster gets a nickname. Mr. Inc. is back together and things are groovy. Mm. The end. What happens to Scrappy at the end? He gets taken away. <laughs> All right. That makes sense. <laughs> I would have been fine with a death so we knew it was more permanent and we wouldn't have to deal with him again, but... Maybe fine. in the rated R version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, yeah, in the rated R version, they send him to a kill shelter. (laughs) He gets decapitated. I should have expected this ending, and I honestly was a little relieved because I thought, like, the gang kicks him out of that van early on. I I thought they, like, murdered him. I'm like, we've never heard his name spoken again except for when Velma's drunk. Like, what is she about to admit to? I was shocked that Mr. Bean was not Mr. Bean. (laughs) 
I know. It's scrappy do. But at the same time, I was like, I felt sort of stupid because there was so much foreshadowing with that random insert of scrappy do that didn't make any <laughs> sense in the movie at all. And now that you mention it with the CGI, they must have used like the same template, but just like stretched it a bit because those goblin creatures did have the same like mm. structure as Scrappy Do. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Hmm. Foreshadowing. Yeah. And Mr. Bean scratched a lot too. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even realize yeah, that. Yeah, now that you know the twist, when, not if, you go back and rewatch it, there's a lot of foreshadowing. <laughs> You got to go back and watch it a second time (laughs) so that you can catch all the little hints. Absolutely. (laughs) So final thoughts about this movie. Who would we cast in a remake? Or if we were going to do a sequel, what would the plot be? Okay. So I know that there's a sequel already. Uh I did Google that. But my thought was the only way to make this better is to make it a musical. (gasps) Donnie just shit his pants. (laughs) So Fred is Jack Harlow. Mm. Shaggy, here's where I kind of had a hard time. I really, I see it as Little Nas X, but I also thought The Weeknd would be good. Oh, okay. Daphne, Doja Cat. <laughs> Love it. Hold on. Velma, Billie Eilish. <gasps> wow. Oh, yeah. And then Mr. Bean, Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's random, but I feel like he fits that character that's really good okay. for yours jamie i'm just gonna i mean i have my own but for yours i'm going to request that Nicki minaj is the voice of scooby-doo i love that <laughs> i love that she would actually kill scooby-doo i couldn't think of a good scooby-doo well i just did for you i'm a motherfucking robster <laughs> <laughs> i'm a motherfucking dog <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That gave me the chills. I'm looking at my notes. They are blank. However, I do remember that I did come up with an idea. When you look at the cast, it's iconic. Mm-hmm. Like all these people, I you know, recently I've become a Matthew Lillard stan. I love this cast. I do. So mm-hmm. I think that we have the same plot, but commit to the rated R version that they were going to do. Yeah. And then I say, like, instead of having that two year break, it was, uh, you know, 20 year break. Am I stealing your idea word for Uh Johnny? Uh huh. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you could literally do the same plot and just like really lean in and actually give us the movie that we deserve. Yes. I said keep the opening scene when they break up and then do it now where it's a 20, however many year jump and make it the rated R version. But what I changed was when the old gang gets back together, they learn they've been replaced in these 20 years by a younger, cooler set of teen detectives. And that will be Jenna Ortega, Mason Gooding, Sydney Sweeney, and Noah Centineo. Okay. Love that. Love that. And then those four can end up being those monster things. Oh, (laughs) I like where your head's at. Thank you. Now, see, I originally said they should make a live-action Scooby-Doo with Sarah Michelle Gellar, and it was stolen. Watch this be stolen, too. I know, and you're just announcing this on a podcast. I know, and now I have a public platform. <laughs> At least before, I was only saying it in my bedroom. Uh, the cuties will know. The cuties will know what's <laughs> you're up. You're right. <laughs> so what for us about this movie aged well, and what aged like Blockbuster? I actually didn't find a whole lot of it offensive like I do most of the times when I'm watching these movies. 
The one scene where Thelma got really drunk, I was super worried what that was going to turn into, but it ended up being fine. So I kind of wonder if the raunchy version would have been a cringe fest for me. Mm. There was a few things that I, you know, like some of like the sacrifice stuff and, but ultimately I wasn't all that offended, which is unlike most movies I watch these days. Yeah. I think because it was aimed for children, I think that a lot of the content held up in terms of content. I think the CGI leaves a lot to be desired, obviously, but I think like if a child stumbled upon this movie on Netflix now, they would enjoy it. Yeah, I would agree. I think it actually did hold up in terms of being a kid's movie. I wonder how the PG-13 or R-rated version would have held up if they were going for that like shock value, punchy, like gritty reboot type of thing. But I don't know. The more I've talked about it, I don't think I hated this movie. I don't think I loved it, but I think that I enjoyed it for what it was. I did appreciate the winks and the nods to the cartoon and to like the franchise in general, but I don't know. Jamie, did I change your opinion or you still hate it? <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, I appreciate it just because my kids appreciated it, to be honest. I, and truthfully, I kind of want to watch the second one now. Yes, the second one is so good. Alicia Silverstone and Seth Green. Well, now we've sealed our fate. Jamie, you have to come back to talk about the second one. If we haven't scared you away. No, fuck yes, please. <laughs> then we'll have you back for the second because... I can't wait to see what this looks like if the budget was cut. (laughs) You'll find out soon enough. Soon enough. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here, Jamie. Tell everybody where they can follow you, consume all your hilarious content, all the things. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at Millennial Misery. And I also run humorous resources as well. So TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Next week, we are covering Can't Hardly Wait, so watch that. Talk to you later. Love Love you like like a sister. sister. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to to you later. later. Love you like a sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.